Good evening. For flood-hit communities, the problems don't seem to be getting any easier, just as the weather doesn't seem to be getting any better. The political arguments, too, have intensified, and it all spilled over into the Commons today. Welsh MPs focused on who should pay what and which government should take responsibility for which part of the clean-up and repair work. A week ago, we thought we'd seen the worst of it. But as more rain fell on saturated ground, there was further flooding. This was Pentra in the Romva on Thursday. Everyone's just devastated. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're trying to put a brave face on for people. But this street genuinely has been forgotten about until today. This now to happen again within four or five days is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Somebody's going to have to pay for all this. Somebody has got to pay for this. And here was a sight we thought we'd never see again. A collapsing coal waste tip sliding down the side of a mountain. The danger so forgotten that there were no immediate answers about who now owns the tips, who monitors them and who's responsible for making them safe. We are being reassured by the engineers who are looking at these sites and at present there is no immediate risk. So I think it's important to try and to allay those fears where people rightly, you know, they go... They're thinking back to Aberfan and other disasters in the past. But all I can tell you is we bring, we've brought in a lot of engineers with radar equipment. We are checking these hills and mountains uh, just to make sure and give peace of mind to people. None of which comes cheap. Councillor Morgan and local Labour MPs and AMs have sent a letter to the Chancellor saying that Ron the Canantarv Council faces a bill in excess of £30 million for flood damage. They want the Treasury, not the Welsh Government, to provide specific one-off funding for RCT to cover that cost. Plus a commitment that the UK Government will take responsibility for preventing landslides on coal tips. We need money from the Government. We don't want talk of mutual aid. We need money and we need it now. We need fund an urgent review of all the former coal mining sites in the South Wales area and bring forward the necessary funding to ensure the safety of all of our communities. Madam Deputy Speaker, flood response and dealing with the um, result of floods is a devolved matter, but we do have arrangements across the UK to support one another when one area is uh, particularly uh, affected. The flood damage was bad enough for Prince Charles to visit Pontypridd on Friday, but unusually there was no visit by the Prime Minister to any of the floods in either Wales or England. But even in his final weeks in office, the leader of the opposition didn't stay away. I think the Prime Minister should visit uh, these places. I think a cobra should have been called. And I have to say that just visiting and listening to people and talking to them, you learn a great deal about the reality of what a flood is. If my business was affected by a flood or my house had just been flooded, I'm, I, I want to see the fire service. I do not want to see the Prime Minister necessarily. So, yeah, and I think it's a very fine line between um, uh, actually doing something which is helpful um, and actually doing something which is just getting in the way of a, of a recovery process. The First Minister did see some of the damage for himself as he prepared to reassure local councils that the money would be found to help them. Welsh Government is going to be able to help those local authorities in the job that now faces them. Uh, to put it crudely, they, they need money from you. They do need money from us. We were able to give them some immediate assurances about how we will be able to assist them with the costs of recovery. And then we had a discussion about the longer term costs, which will be more significant. Bridges that have been washed away, roads that will need to be repaired, flood defences that stood up during this uh, weekend 
but may need further reinforcing against future flooding. So are you as a government prepared to spend tens of millions of pounds? Well, I think those capital costs will be tens of millions of pounds. I've spoken to the Secretary of State for Wales since that meeting, uh, explaining to him that we are going to have to make an application to the Treasury for assistance with those costs. The Welsh Government will manage the costs in the short run, uh, and that'll be millions of pounds, but over months ahead, as these bigger sums of money come in from local authorities across Wales, uh, our budget will not be sufficient to be able to respond to all of that, and we will look, as we normally would, to the Treasury for assistance. Well, the immediate crisis caused by the floods meant that attention shifted from another cause of worry and anger in many of the same Valley's communities. But fear about cutbacks to the accident and emergency service at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital won't go away. The local health board says a shortage of doctors has made providing full 24-hour cover unsafe and unsustainable. Still, politicians from all parties are campaigning against any reduction in A&E. Feelings have been running high as this protest at the Seneth showed, with the prospect of the Royal Glamorgan Hospital's A&E department closing for some or all of the time. People who rely on it being nearby are worried. We have to save A&E. We have to. We've got no choice. Um, we are going to lose people. People are going to die if we don't save this A&E. All my family have needed A&E and RCT, me included, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. They're even contemplating taking A&E for the thousands of people in the Rhondda as well that need it. Inside the Senedd, passions have been just as strong, with the First Minister sticking to his line that politicians should butt out when clinicians are deciding what's best. Will you now commit, as First Minister and leader of this Labour government, that 24-hour consultant-led services will be maintained at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital? You can give that commitment and you can give our A&E a future. Will you do that now? The answer in the position of the Royal Glamorgan Hospital that it is in the end when clinicians have had the advice they need, when they've answered the questions that they need to answer, that that is a decision that is best made by doctors and not a decision made by politicians. But in a separate debate, the Health Minister had a slightly different view. I expect all of our decision makers in our National Health Service to listen to what the public and their elected representatives have to say, to be open, honest and transparent with the public and their staff. I expect our NHS to make choices that deliver a robust and safe service. I'm here to add our voice to yours. So did the politicians campaigning at the protest, although the Labour MPs and AMs who took part were accused of hypocrisy by their opponents. After all, the final decision lies with the Labour Welsh Government. That decision is looming. Well, joining me now are two AMs who, as you just saw, have been campaigning on this issue and dealing with the effects of the flooding. They are Plaid Cymru's Leanne Wood and Labour's Hugh Aranka Davis. You're both very welcome. Hugh Aranka Davis, can I start with that accusation that I finished that report with? Um, are you as Labour politicians hypocritical in campaigning against a decision that ultimately is down to your Labour government? No, as the, as the uh, as Von Gethin said there, it's absolutely right that the voices not only of the public but also of elected representatives should be heard. 
And the primary responsibility of an Assembly member like myself is to represent the views of is, my constituents. Is your party in charge of the health service? The first thing we have to do is actually persuade the health board, who are meeting this week, I understand, again there, is to look at this issue of putting 24-7 coverage of A&E back on the agenda. And let me make clear as well, as those meetings have gone on around all patches, including my own, what they've heard from the public, I think, is starting to convince them when they've looked at the distances to travel, when they've looked at the impact of okay. this on things like the Princess of Wales Hospital as well, okay. it's not convincing. The clinical you, case is not convincing. Do you accept, though, that it is in your party's control to change the situation? Ultimately, ultimately it may be called in to the Welsh okay. Government to look at this, but at this moment, it's for the Health Board. Leanne Wood, do you accept that as an explanation? They're campaigning against a decision by local health boards, not their government, or do you agree with people who say it's hypocritical? Well, let me just put it like this. In um, Prior to 2007, there were proposals to reconfigure hospital services uh, right throughout Wales, and there was an election, and Labour didn't win that election. And if you remember, there was a Plaid Cymru Labour coalition. And as a result, those hospital changes were off the agenda for the term of the One Wales government when Plaid Cymru and Labour were in coalition with each other. It came back onto the agenda a year after that coalition government finished in 2012 okay. in the form of the South Wales programme which was finally agreed in 2014. So are you now, saying the current that this First Minister was the Health Minister then and the current Health Minister was his deputy so at are you, that time. So are you saying that it's Labour's long-term plan? Uh, yes I, I am, yes I am and it's, it's the responsibility of the Welsh Government, the, the Health Minister, to determine the strategic direction of the NHS in Wales and that's, this is a strategic question. That's, uh, that's a pretty strong charge here. I think it is a pretty strong challenge. Can I just say that I think I think one of the strengths of this campaign has been the fact it hasn't only been cross-party and cross the whole of the uh, the area affected by this uh, potential scaling down or even closure of the A and E there. Um, the strength of it has been as well that every all the unions are back in this as well. Now I I would say to Leanne that away from the politics of this. What people have really wanted us to do is focus on what the okay. end game is here, and that but, is keeping this A and E open. But what I'd like you to focus on is is that charge that actually has been Labour's long term plan to to reorganise hospitals. I don't think that's way. right at all, and I think it's come back onto the agenda now. Let's not forget because the final full time consultant there is re, is retiring early in a matter of a couple of weeks. And there's been a failure yeah. to plan yeah. the workforce. In 2014, Plaid Cymru put forward a policy to recruit and train a thousand extra doctors and that was because we foresee this problem arising. We knew the South Wales plan had been agreed right, and um, we knew that yeah. there would be a problem training and, and, and getting consultants and, and, and not enough was done. And this is where the, this is where the clinical case doesn't stack up because the <coughs> health board have acknowledged in the public meetings time after time okay. that actually they haven't been recruiting for full-time consultants uh, all these years. Now if they had we could be in a very different situation. A final word on this before we move on to talking about the floods. I've been covering these arguments for a long time. You mentioned that 2007 election. Plaid Cymru was criticised for using Save Our Hospital or Save Our Union. I can't remember. Yeah, but it worked. It, it worked. But it, 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 <laughs> at purely time. in terms of politics. What I'm, what I'm trying to get at is you all agree as politicians that something needs to be done, but when it comes to making the difficult decisions, you, you jib. Well, Plaid Cymru hasn't been in government since 2011, so I don't think the responsibility can be placed on Plaid Cymru's shoulders. Um, okay. At the end of the day, we did stop th those proposals going ahead. What, is, what has not happened is that those doctors that needed to be recruited were recruited, okay. and they have been able to re be recruited in other areas, those areas that don't have the uh, soon-to-be-closed sign okay. over the door of their A&E. That's um, what's stopping. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, stopping that recruitment. Let happening. us move on to the, the flooding, which you've both been uh, in 
involved in dealing with. Hugh Aranga Davis, you signed a letter calling for more money from the Treasury, but it's a devolved matter. Shouldn't that letter be going to your colleagues in the Welsh Government? Well, let me just correct that. It is primarily a devolved matter, and we, as we've seen on the introductions here, Welsh Government has said it will stand by, it'll stand by the local authorities, it'll stand by communities. It's even put some immediate funding in there now. But this is a real issue for the union. Now, Leanne and I will have different views on what the union is and so on, but this is a real test of when there is a natural disaster of this scale, when a quarter of the impact the households affected are within one, not just one part of Wales, but in one, t one small area of communities, that's the point okay. at which UK and government should step in. Leanne Wood, it, 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 I mean, you can argue about how much it is devolved, but it is devolved, looking at flood defence is devolved. What, why um, go to the UK government for more money at this stage? Well, it is an unprecedented disaster, isn't it? But the problem is we face more unprecedented disasters unless we radically change the way that we organise ourselves. I mean, the Netherlands is below seawater, yet they can manage to live uh, without these disastrous flood events that we seem to be having. And they, cha they, they just operate the way they, they, they work their water differently. And we need to yes. be thinking, now that involves big infrastructure investment. And after 10 years of austerity, 12 years um, of austerity, I don't know how the Welsh Government is going to afford to do that with outside help. Can I have a word from each of you on what should happen with the coal waste tips? We saw some shocking pictures in that report. Uh, it's not clear who's responsible for them. Is, is that part of the problem here, Ranka Davis? I think it's part of the problem, but I was glad to see that uh, today we understand there's been a meeting with the Secretary of State, the First Minister, the Coal Authority and Natural Resource Wales looking at, and, and WLGA, the Local Government Wales all looking at shared responsibility for now doing the inspections because that's what we need to do is assure people that there is a genuine partnership now to do the inspections and we shouldn't be over worrying people but I want every tip, every coal site, every spoil site in my area and across South Wales inspected. Leanne Wood, uh, we don't want to scare Munger but it is scary. Well, it is, and there needs to be investment and monitoring and landscaping, and we need to return to the land reclamation schemes that we used to have before they were cut in 2015. A lot of these questions do come back to the, the issue of cutbacks and, and money, um, but there's been an ongoing debate within from the Cunnantav Council about uh, making tips safe. There's one tip in the Cunnan Valley that was partially landscaped, and then the money ran out and it wasn't finished. So, you know, this is not something that should be new to people and the right. idea that we don't even know who owns the land is pretty worrying. Right, but it is a partnership that we're looking for in this. Okay. We're not looking for handouts, we're All looking right. for people who will work with us. Thank you both very much for uh, talking about those two. Very, very difficult. She's connected I suppose because of the geography of all that but uh, thank you both very much. Now, what will the jobs of the future look like here in Wales? Which industries will be thriving and which will be struggling? Answering those questions is one of the most difficult tasks for government at all governments at all levels as Britain adjusts to a post-Brexit world. The Welsh Government's International Relations Minister is in North America this week trying to do just that, though she picked up some ideas before she left. Here's Owen Phillips. Could this be Wales' economic future? Investment in startups like this cyber security software company. Elinid Morgan hopes so, as she announced £250,000 of funding in this up-and-coming sector. This link-up between what we're doing here and with, with Canada in particular is really important. And in the next week I'll be speaking to some of the top cyber companies in the United States about how great a place Wales is in terms of our expertise in this field. But we are, we do have an economy that's post-industrial effectively. How many jobs are there in, a, in, a, in areas like this? 
Well, the key thing is to make sure that we're encouraging not only the big companies that are already here, like the, the Airbus and the Thales and, and all of these big prime companies that, that have already established themselves, but also to encourage young entrepreneurs so that what we get is a flourishing of small companies. That's what's going to be sustainable in the long term, and in particular young people. How do we get them to stay here in Wales and to grow their investments here? Elinid Morgan's heading to North America in a bid to drum up trade. But one economist says it's difficult to see this making up for losses with exports to the EU. Well, I'm sure they can get some extra trade, but you know the other uh, volume, uh, if we lose trade with Europe, and I think the automotive sector is a very particular risk, a lot of the motor cars made in the UK are going into Europe, they have a combined supply chain with Europe and there's a lot of uh, automotive component manufacture in Wales. And it's very hard to see that that can keep going at its current level if we don't have free trade with Europe. And uh, while the other things are necessary, they've got to do them, of course. It's hard to see they're going to be able to compensate in the, in the near term. How on earth can we expect North America to fill some of the gaps maybe that will be left now with us leaving the EU? Well, first of all, we hope there won't be gaps, but because we're not losing that relationship, we're trying to make sure that we continue that relationship with the EU as far as we can. I think it's really important that, that also we look at what that relationship with some of the prime technology areas in the United States are, how we can build those relationships. We're, we're reinforcing our office on the West Coast to make those relationships as strong as they possibly can be with the help of some Welsh experts who are living out there. The task of selling Wales abroad did fall to the Welsh Development Agency, the WDA, which was seen as effective in getting foreign investment, with levels falling since its closure. Looking at the um, recent foreign uh, investment figures to Wales, what, 3% of all the projects that come in uh, to the UK come to Wales? There's more work to be done here, isn't there? There's definitely more work to be done. Uh, and, and but you've been in government, your party's been in government all this time. Well, what we've seen is that much of that inward investment has gone to London into financial services, and we've been uh, really asking the UK government to help us to make sure that more of that can be pushed into Wales. The, the record we have had in terms of, of bringing investment here hasn't been bad, uh, but uh, the UK government is not doing, uh, really pulling its weight in terms of pushing that investment out But there Wales. was a time, wasn't there, when the WDA was in its pomp, when these figures, when Wales were doing way better than this? Uh, that, that is the case, but what we're trying to do now is to make sure that what we can do is to almost also focus on exports. Let's remember that about 22% of our economy is driven by exports. So that's a really important part of what we're looking to do is to grow our exports as well as encouraging inward investment. Well, let's discuss this now with Keris Furlong from the organisation Quirateg, which campaigns for gender equality in the workplace, and the Brexit Party's Assembly leader, Mark Reckless. We brought you here because you're both thinking about doing things in different ways. You're thinking about them differently and thinking about uh, how to do them differently. How, um, Keris Furlong, uh, when Wales is thinking about the jobs of the future, what can, what can we do that is different to anywhere else in the UK, anywhere else in the world? 
Well, I think that's the, the, the million-dollar question, isn't it? I think it's about... Yeah, if we can get the answer right, we can make a fortune. <laughs> exactly. Um, not just the types of industries and sectors that we want to attract to Wales, but the people that we want to work in them. So, yes, it's really important that we have an international strategy, but how can we use that to address some of the structural inequality within our economy? To so make that we sure don't... That, that people are also from all walks of life Absolutely. and all backgrounds. And, you know, part of that is about improving productivity, something which all governments have talked about, both in the UK and in Wales over many years, if we can get more different people working and working differently around the other responsibilities that people have in life, then that should drive up productivity. And doing well. different kind of work, Mark Reckless? We saw talk of cyber security. Is that the sort of thing that Wales could be looking at now? Well, I think it's a, a mix. I think uh, cyber security is an area Welsh government's been promoting, particularly uh, around Ebervale Vale in my region, similarly with uh, complex semiconductors around uh, Newport. And I, I wish them well with both those areas. And I think it's important to work with the private sector and where you have clusters to support training and help develop those. Government can't transplant something totally new into an area. They have to work with what's already there and developing. And uh, Well, that you, you, it's as if you're reading my mind. How much does this ha have to be... We or the WDA, which brought back memories of overseas investment. How much does it have to be bringing people in and how much is it bringing people on? I think it's a, a, a mixture and I think it's really important for Welsh Government to concentrate on the economic agenda, promoting Welsh exports, encouraging inward investors to come into Wales and I think you have to work with the UK Government and you also have to recognise that across the world people contract in English law, the law of England and Wales and I think to try and separate out our justice system and to keep on devolving more and more things and have separate laws in Wales for so many things, I think there's a so, danger you can put off inward investors if you do too much of that. So I think we need to stick with similar, Westminster. Similar question to you, Keris mm -hmm. Furlong, about uh, um, and bringing people on and indigenous businesses, if you like. Um, will that will that replace the big industries of the past, or is it? Uh, well, it has to be a mixed approach, doesn't it? Because those big industries are absolutely crucial to provide high-skilled jobs and career um, trajectories for many people in many of our parts of Wales. But I agree with Mark to the extent that it needs to be a mixed approach. So we have this approach around the foundation economy, also really important to grow those small businesses. Which is businesses. all about the hyper-local businesses. Yeah, right? absolutely. And to some extent, that can address some of the structural inequality that I was talking about. So, yes, let's attract some of that foreign investment. But if we look at something like cybersecurity, we know that at the moment only 20% of the workers in cybersecurity are female. Um, so what are we doing to ensure that we're also promoting really good opportunities for, for others to prosper in our economy? And is there a, uh, I mean, there's a, is there a question over pay and conditions, Mark Reckless? Do, do we here in Wales have to accept that the, the, the new economy will be... Could may, may perhaps pay less, may perhaps. Have... I, th I think one way you can look to increase wa wages is to improve connections. And now you can get by train from Cardiff to London an hour and 47, and quicker than you could before from Swansea. I think we need to finish this Heads of the Valley Road. And I really think we need okay. to build this M4 relief road okay. in order to improve those That's connections to higher altogether. wage areas. Okay, well, thank you both very much. I, I don't think we've got that fortune making answer from this one, but I appreciate you for giving it a stab. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you for being there tonight. Um, that's it for this week. But you don't have to wait a full week to see us again because we'll be back on Thursday at half past seven. So you don't even have to stay up late either with a special programme looking at the pressures on the health service as a result of an increasingly ageing population. Until then, my thanks to my guests here in the studio. Thank you for joining us and good night. Good night.